Listen up. We are back with another episode of the Construction Mentor Podcast. My name is Ike. I am your host. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, at the Construction Mentor. You can also follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Now, the whole reason I started this podcast was to spread opportunities of affluence to younger people, right? I want to make them aware of the opportunities in the construction industry, architecture, engineering, the trades, whatever it may be. Our young people need help seeing that these doors are open and they need a, a hand to not only lead them to the door, but to yank them through it and to get them up and running as fast as possible. I also want to make sure that people that are currently in the industry have an outlet or have a resource to enhance their own career, their own experience, again, to hit that level of affluency that they deserve for all their hard work. Over the last few weeks, I've, I've been struggling to find the time to get back in here and to upload uh, another episode because I have a ton of awesome things happening in my own career and experiences and opportunities that I hope to share at the beginning of the year. As I was contemplating what to make this episode about, what next topic I wanted to tackle, I kept seeing posts on my algorithm and on my feed and about mental health, particularly men's mental health. Um, in that November or Movember, right, when everyone grows out their mustaches was uh, Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. Some people say that's June. Some people say it's November. Other people say that, you know, the holidays are the worst time for mental health and that people most often struggle around those times. So whatever. Um, we clearly have a problem. We clearly have a problem and there's clearly a need out there for uh, men to be heard from for their pain to be felt and for them to get a hand overcoming those obstacles. Right. And especially again, especially around the holidays. So I am not here to claim number one, that, you know, men are victims or anything like that. I'm here to simply identify issues, identify obstacles and help them over, help people overcome them. Right. As it pertains to the construction industry, you may not realize it, but we have a serious problem in the construction industry specifically uh, that is far worse than the rest of the general population. So the question is why? Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, my goal is to promote the industry, whether it's construction, architecture, design. And you might be thinking, well, <laughs> why are you trying to push people into an industry where they clearly struggle with uh, mental illness, suicidal thoughts, things like that? And I think a lot of people will... will cite the the pressures and the and the atmosphere and the environment and things like that as somebody who has struggled with mental health themselves yours truly and has overcome it and now i'm healthier happier healthier wealthier than i've ever been i want you to understand that <laughs> this isn't cooties right it's not like you are going to get into the industry and automatically catch the sickness that is mental health that that is not the case and the struggles that people have don't, they they don't change the opportunity the opportunity is still overwhelmingly positive for those who are looking to start their own business or get a, a career with a with a level of income that that separates themselves from the rest of you know from the rest of the population and a level of income that puts them in that upper middle class or even upper class category where they're living that affluent lifestyle so what I would say to young people coming in, coming into the industry are to be aware of the issues that I'm about to lay out, number one, 
And number two, to always remember the coffee bean message, which I'm wearing that t-shirt right now, be a coffee bean, right? And that's, this t-shirt comes from one of my favorite, you know, probably top three authors that I've ever read, top three book that I've ever read. Everyone should read it. Go grab the change agent. Um, it'll change your life. It'll blow your hair back. But the premise of the book is the coffee bean metaphor, which is when you put a coffee bean in a pot of boiling water, it has a different reaction than other things that you throw in there. So when you're coming into the construction industry, that industry, that environment is that boiling pot of hot water, right? It is that high pressure, high temperature environment. If you throw a carrot in a pot of boiling hot water, what happens to that carrot? It can make you mush, right? The construction industry can certainly do that. If you take an egg and you throw that same, you throw it in that same pot of boiling hot water, what happens to the egg? It can make it hard hard boiled egg, right? Same thing can happen in construction. You can become hard, you can become angry, you can become miserable. But what happens when you throw a coffee bean in there? The coffee bean changes the water into coffee. It changes the environment. It changes everything around it. There's a tremendous opportunity for you to come in to this industry, to the construction, architecture, engineering industry, and be that coffee bean. If you can find a way to do that in an industry that already has an abundance, a plethora a range, whatever you want to call it, a ton of opportunity. If you can be that coffee bean, that's just going to make you all the more valuable. It's all the more opportunity. And I'm not saying to capitalize on other shortcomings. I'm simply saying that there is a ton of value that can be brought to an industry that already has a tremendous amount of opportunity for you. So take this message as number one, being aware of obstacles that are there, aware of temptations, aware of pitfalls that some people have had. And if you're in the industry, Take this as a message that you are not alone, that there are resources and that there are simple things that you can do outside of what people would normally push you to do to get better, to find your way, to overcome that obstacle and to emulate and to be somebody that somebody else wants to emulate, right? Because it doesn't matter where you are today. It matters where you can, where you can, where you can get, where you can be, right? The, the best quote my my favorite quote from um, my favorite author is Booker T. Washington, and it is, and I'll paraphrase this, but it's, I do not judge a man by what he has achieved, instead by the obstacles that he has overcome. Right, so you you can start at the top, and you can get just a little bit higher. You can say you can be born a millionaire and become a two millionaire, right? Or you can be born in the gutter and homeless, and maybe even without parents. But if you rise up to be a few hundred thousand air, maybe make 250, $300,000 a year and be very affluent. That is much more of an accomplishment than just making another million bucks when you're already born into it. Right. So let me say this first, let me lead off with this. You matter. You are not alone. Your absence would be felt. It would be more profound than you could ever understand. And most importantly, you have people cheering for you. There is a mass crowd of people behind you that want to see you do better, that want to see you succeed, that want to see you overcome these things. No matter where you are now, no matter what you've done to people, no matter how you failed or how far you think you've fallen, there are people that want to see you succeed. You know, when we talk about this industry, the construction industry, we tend to talk about it being too stressful, there being too much on your shoulders and the outlets that we look at, we're going to look at in just the next 30 seconds or the solutions that we look for to these problems are 
to get a lighter load, right? To take responsibility away from people, to, to take that stress off of people. And if there's one thing that you take from this, from this podcast, it's an old Jewish proverb. It's not really about God, but it's about the concept, right? Ask God or ask yourself for broader shoulders, not for a lighter load. Right? So ask for the ability to handle more, not to be handed less. So when we look at the statistics, general statistics, what is what does depression look like? What does suicide look like in the general population? The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention noted uh, just two years ago, 2021, that it was about 14 in every 100,000 individuals, which means that we lose approximately 132 people per day to suicide. Men succumb to suicide four times more than women, specifically middle-aged white men, which account for white men account for 70% of all suicides, which is a tragic number. And there's a lot of reasons behind that that we could get into, but I want to concentrate on this industry for the purposes of this conversation. When you look at the statistic put out there by the Center of Protection for Workers' Rights, construction industry in general, how many people are in the construction industry? 10.8 million Construction professionals are in America. 15.3% of them feel anxious or depressed clinically. That, that equates to about 1.6 million people. About 7.3%. So about half of those people are on depression medication, depression or anti-anxiety, antidepressant medication, which would be just under 800,000 people. According to the CDC, the suicide rate in the construction industry is three and a half times more prevalent than that of the general population, right? So something is going on in the construction industry. Mental health is a problem in the United States. Clearly, it is a problem amongst white men, clearly. And on top of that, in a white male, largely white male represented industry, it is even more, three, three and a half times more prevalent than everywhere else. So what is happening? What is the problem? Personally, for me, I, I think we have a culture problem in construction. Yes, we operate in a high pressure industry with a lot at stake. Yes, there's high standards. Yes, there's, there's unfathomable deadlines or unrealistic deadlines that people try to live up to. But I, I don't think that that's it, right? According to EHS Today, which is a publication, 80% of construction workers feel stress or excess stress. The internet will tell you that that is what is driving people to the depression. They'll tell you that it's things like toxic masculinity in the construction industry. Um, I, again, I call bullshit. You look at occupational health and safety, the CDC, Construct Connect, Center of Protection for Workers' Rights, they all talk about the workload on people, the stress on people, and what the industry does to people. And they push for answers like counseling, treatment, medication, open forums for people to cry on, shoulders for people to cry on mental health days. And I'm not saying that these are necessarily bad things, but they're band-aids. They are not addressing what I think is the issue and what we're going to cover right here.
again, I not bad things. These are not bad things. Counseling, treatment, those, call centers, open forums, mental health days. Those none of those are bad things. Not a mental health day guy by any means. But none of those address our ability to handle a workload or to handle stress. Just like any structure you build, and we should know this as construction professionals, you can't, that structure that you built can't handle an excess load or stress of any kind without a solid foundation. We need to promote, to encourage, to provide opportunities and resources for our people to develop a stronger, to develop a more solid foundation. We are not addressing that as an industry. We need to do a better job at that. Let's go over a few of those issues and what we can do about it. Now, the knee-jerk reaction you see in society today, you see it all over the place. You see it in memes. You see it in, in comedy skits. I see it in my Instagram feed. I start this morning about how many people are on anti-anxiety medication, right? We, we tend to push people into therapy and, and go see a psychiatrist and then they push you on, on these pills. I, I can't tell you how many people I feel like are on anti-anxiety medication. Well, here are the numbers. Fifteen percent, again, we said 15% of construction profession, professionals are depressed, half of which are on medication. Right, which we said is just under eight eight hundred or just yeah, just under eight hundred thousand people. So what does that do to somebody? What does that do to somebody? Because ideally, depression medication or anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication should help you not feel so depressed. It should steer you away from suicide. It should enhance your experience in life, day-to-day -day life. Well, according to the NIH. Adverse effects of antidepressants are as follows. 74% experience withdrawal-like effects. 71% experience sexual difficulties. 65% experience weight gain. And we'll talk about weight gain and the effect on mental health in a moment, but very negative. 65% feel emotionally numb. That's just the beginning of those people. 57% of respondents feel either moderate or severe adverse effects. 57% experience adverse effects to a moderate or severe level in the following ways. 54.4% experience not feeling like myself. 45.6% experience reduced positive feelings. 36.4% felt like they cared less about others, which is crazy because if you, if you uh, reference that recent Harvard study, that 100-year-long study that Harvard conducted that they talk about, the number one thing that matters in people's life that, that makes them healthier, happier, wealthier, and live longer is how much they value or feel fulfilled by other people, relationships with other people in their life. So 36% of the time, they care less about others. And the last being the most disturbing, 36% have thoughts of suicide. So let me get this straight. We have 800,000 construction professionals in America that are on antidepressant medication. 
another double that 1.6 million in total that are that are potentially on their way right and growing and 36 percent of those people so about a third so we have about 200,000 people maybe 250,000 people in the construction industry that are having suicidal thoughts that are on medication and it's it's likely a direct result of that medication that's crazy that means that two percent that means that one in every 50 people how many job sites do you know that have more than 50 people on it most there's somebody that's having suicidal thoughts and it likely is linked to the medication that they're on that's crazy that is an absolutely crazy town the fact that we keep pushing these these solutions and these drugs on people it's not right it's absolutely not right and i'm not suggesting that you that you avoid those things or you go you know cold turkey if you need help you have to get help and if you're on them you should want to get off but you should seek professional help you shouldn't do that on your own especially since we already said you know there's a 75 percent chance that you're going to feel withdrawal i'm sorry 74 percent chance that you'll have withdrawal effects just getting off them so you need that professional help but Look at the negative effects. It's if anything, it'll enhance or amplify the feeling, the negative feelings that you already have inside. So what does work in this situation? What does work if you're feeling depressed? If you're one of the 15%, if you're one of the 1.6 million people in construction that feel depressed or anxious? Well, the University of Australia researchers are calling for exercise to be a mainstay approach for managing depression. It shows that physical activity alone can be one and a half times more effective than counseling or leading medications. Wow. Wow. Instead of going to see a psychiatrist, instead of going to take pills, just working out 45 minutes a day, half hour a day can be one and a half more effect times more effective, one and a half times more effective at addressing your depression or anxiety or feeling overwhelmed with stress. Now, that makes you think <laughs> if, if it's as simple as just working out or becoming a little active, how, how many people aren't active? How, how inactive is our industry? Because it clearly has an effect on mental health. Well, according to the NIH, which many people feel is a reputable uh, source and a trustworthy source, 73% of people in construction, 73%, that's like three out of four people in construction are overweight. I can tell you just with my eye test, and I'm not saying this as a person who is fit. I haven't always looked like the way that I look now, but it's more than that. It's at least 85%. And the people that aren't overweight, they aren't necessarily healthy. Okay. We have a serious physical health problem in the construction industry. Just look at, just look at any commercial where they, where they promote uh, blue collar apparel, like Duluth Trading Co. All of their commercials have fat guys all over the place. It's like the standard in construction is to be over overweight and it's not that hard to be obese. I think if you went into this study, you'd find that something like 23% of construction workers are, are obese. And I think half that are morbidly obese, which is crazy. So what else can we do? Uh, also found in the study from the university of South, South Australia, sunlight between 30 minutes, sunlight, 30 minutes directly into your eyes, not wearing sunglasses or safety glasses, but 30 minutes of sunlight between 8 a.m. and noon can boost serotonin, which helps improve your mood, calm your stress levels, and stay focused. It improves sleep, which we 
we'll get into sleep more, but the probably the number one indicator of your ability to handle stress and your mood is how well you sleep. It regulates the body's melatonin, right? Which also reduces stress during the day. 30 minutes of sunlight has also correlated to weight loss in people. So people's metabolism gets affected by this. It strengthens your immune system. It adds years, years onto your life. 30 minutes a day of sunlight between 8 a.m. and noon adds years onto your life. So these are simple things. We have to take better care of our health. If you are a person in the construction industry, whether you're in the field, especially if you're in the field, because a lot of guys feel as though that they're active enough at work, they are not, right? I'm not saying that that you got to go and you got to do like an Ironman workout or, you know, run a marathon. Just go for a walk, all right? My wife every day goes for a walk for a half hour, 45 minutes, right? Go for a walk before work. Go at lunch. Instead of smoking a cigarette on the loading dock, go for a 15-minute walk. Get those steps in. Something as simple as that can make a huge difference, not only in your physical health, but your mental health. If you're in an office, get outside, get that sunlight. I don't care if it's 30 degrees out. Go walk around the block a couple times. If you're an employer, encourage your people to take a little bit longer of a lunch break if it means them getting a little bit of physical activity in sunlight. I'd rather see one of my employees work seven, seven and a half hours a day and be happier, healthier, wealthier, more productive at work, less stress, more creative than to make sure they're hovering over a keyboard exactly eight hours a day, right? So incorporate this into your leadership of your people, right? You want to be a leader of people. You want to promote healthy habits and a healthy lifestyle for them. Now, the biggest issue that I see as being overlooked by the industry, drugs and alcohol. Now, I've already mentioned I've had issues myself, and maybe one day I'll get into my story and, and I'll find somebody who can interview me and I can tell the thing, tell my story about trauma that I experienced as a child and, and things that I've overcome, failures that I've overcome, obstacles that I've overcome as an adult. But whether it's myself or anybody that's gone down a self-improvement path, the one thing that everybody has in common is cutting back their alcohol consumption. Now, trust me, I like to have a good time. I still have a drink. You know, I still go out and, and, you know, I'll probably even go to a party later today. Right. But I have cut back my drinking 95, 99%. And I can't tell you how much better I feel for it. Everybody that I know that has gone down a path of personal growth cuts back their alcohol and they can't recommend it enough. So the question is, is when we look at the construction industry and we talk about this culture problem that I'm trying to identify here, we statistically have an alcohol and drug problem in the industry. Now, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you're young and you're coming into this industry, am I telling you that you're going to get cooties, that you're going to get alcoholism by coming into the industry? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I will say is when you come into the industry, whether you're in the field or you're in an office, you will be around people where they'll be going on Thursdays and Fridays. They'll be escaping to go get beer at lunch, right? They'll walk into the bar and before they even sit down, the bartender has two shots of Jameson. He's got two Bud Lights out there for him, right? I used to be that guy, okay? A lot of people that I know used to be that guy. You'll end up going out to networking events and talking to architects and clients and engineers and whoever. And it'll be about, you know, running up the tab and staying out all night. And I even know guys that their wives and families expected them not to come home on Thursday nights until very late. 
And you'll think it's cool and you'll think, oh, wow, I want to get paid to be like this guy. I want to get paid to do nothing. I want to get paid to party and take people out and have fun, right? I want to get, I want to get paid to have fun and, and to have less responsibility because that just seems really appealing and really cool. Go to a golf outing, go to, go to take people out in a boat and get, get, all, get all boozed up. And listen, that is fun, but let me tell you this. When I came into the industry... I had those people and I thought that I wanted to be those people. There were other people that I respected and that I wanted to be like, but I looked down on them. I was like, man, they're, they're dry toast. They don't like to have fun. They would go out and they would be social. They'd have a couple of drinks, right? But they always kept it in check and then they left early. As I've been around for two decades now, and I've seen the life cycle of what this can do to people, what this attitude can do to people, right? It can... The people that I thought that I wanted to be like that were out there and they were the partiers, the three Ds, they are either demoted, divorced, or depressed. Almost every single one of them. The people that I now emulate and that I've looked up to and that I've ridden the coattails behind them up the ranks of my career were the people that always kept it in check and, and left early. And it is not a coincidence that when they focus so much of their career and their life on alcohol and, and partying that they experience failure and hardship in every aspect of their life. The reason being this is the best analogy that I can have when you drink or when you do drugs, you're trading tomorrow's happiness to have it right now. You're going to have an ultra good time right? You feel that high. You, you, you're drinking and you're having fun and everything feels you know euphoric. You're having a good time. But then tomorrow you get that hangover. You get that anxiety. That I, you know, that's what I call it. And that's because you left that happiness yesterday. Whereas if you hit the gym, you work hard, you make sure that, that you're, you're checking all the boxes and you're, do, you're putting in the work that other people aren't. And even though you don't want to right now, you, have that, you practice that discipline to get it done. You're trading right now's happiness for happiness in an hour, in two hours, tomorrow. And when you do that day after day after day, you become happier and happier and happier. That is a positive snowball effect that's happening. And I promise you, cutting back the drugs and alcohol will help. Now, as an industry, what does it look like in construction? Stats about substance addiction in construction. 15% of all construction workers. 15% of all construction workers abuse alcohol and drugs compared to the rest of the population, which is 8.6%. So you are twice as more, twice as likely to abuse drugs and alcohol in the construction industry as the rest of the population. That's according to the abuse and mental health administration. According to the NIH, right? Again, a lot of people consider the NIH to be a trustworthy, reputable source. 47% of construction professionals drink several times a week. 21.4% drink every day, often drinking more than five drinks in one sitting. That's a lot. Again, you relate those back to those numbers. We have an industry of almost 11 million people. That means that five, five and a half million people are drinking several times a week. Two, two and a half million have more than five drinks a day, every day. I mentioned before that sleep is the number one indicator for uh, your ability to handle stress. 
and affects your mood during the day. Well, you not only want to sleep, but you want to get that REM sleep, that deep sleep, right? Just after two drinks, that REM sleep, alcohol, takes that down to about 30 minutes a night. You hit four or five drinks, you get zero REM sleep, which I think is probably the largest contributing factor to that anxiety feeling. You know, if you, if you wake up hungover, uh, as much as I used to in the past, you know exactly the feeling that I'm talking about. But that's the negative effect, and we have half the industry feeling that several times a week. Again, we have a cultural problem. Take it away from alcohol. Let's go to drugs. Let's look at opioid deaths. Construction workers seven times more likely to die of an opioid overdose than in other industries. We have the highest proportion of heroin-related overdose deaths. Construction workers represent about 25%, one quarter of fatal heroin-related overdoses among all workers of any industry. That's one that hits at home because I know many people that struggle with that addiction and unfortunately have passed away as a result. You know, and when you look at opioids in the prescription drug market, about 20% of the total spending on prescription drugs by the construction industry is on, is on opioids. So opioids account for 20% of the total spending on prescription drugs in the prescription, in the construction industry that is higher than any other industry, according to CNA financial. So most construction workers, most construction professionals, and I think this is, this really goes towards the field guys because of some of the things that they do, they are pushed towards opioids. What about cocaine? 1.8% of construction workers use cocaine frequently. Doesn't 1.8% seems like a low population until you realize that that's about 45% higher than any other occupation. Again, that's statistic from the NIH. So you are 45% more likely to use cocaine in the construction industry than any other industry. (laughs) I mean, it's just astonishing when we wonder why so many people are depressed when they're fat and out of shape when they're on drugs and alcohol far more prevalent than any other industry by large margins. And then you consider how many people, you know, what is recovery like? What is it like for these people to get off of these things when they're on them? 90% of people who need drug, drug rehab do not get it. So we have all of these, of these construction professionals, millions of people, 90% of them won't get the help. 60% will relapse within a month. 80 to 85% will relapse within a year. 40% will relapse within one to two years, 10% after two years, and then seven and a half percent after three years. So the odds of them, of, of them staying clean are extremely low. And I think it's even probably worse. I couldn't find the numbers of recovery in the construction industry, but it's probably worse because of how many people around you are abusing the same thing, right? It's hard to remove yourself from that environment unless you can find a way to be that coffee bean, like I said, right? So, you know, helpful tools to deal with those things in environment change, number one. And I think that the construction industry um, with the amount of opportunities that they have, there are plenty of opportunities to go work on your own. You don't have to work in large crowds or large groups, right? You can go, or you can go start your own business, right? But you want to, you want to eliminate people 
that you shouldn't be around. Maybe go to your employer, right? If if or if you're aware that one of your employees struggles with this, be mindful of who they work with, right? And what's into maybe even the geographical location of where they're at. Try to help them identify triggers. If you're your own person, to you know, if you're trying to analyze yourself, identify your own triggers. Try to remove those. And most of all, you got to redefine fun. What does fun look like? You know, you don't have to go out and get blackout drunk or, you know, sleep in the back of your van all coked out to have fun. Right. So what does that look like? Um, There are plenty of tools out there and we as employers need to we need to do a better job at helping people identify triggers, removing them and, and also getting them the help. And putting them in, putting people in situations for them to succeed. <clears throat> so, to me, when you look at all of those things, and such a large population is struggling with things within our control before they even walk into a doctor's office, no wonder why we, as a construction, we as an industry have so many people that struggle because we have so many people with crumbled foundations. And then the people that work with those people, right? we have, we have a huge chunk of the industry that don't have a solid foundation that can handle the stress. And when you're working with people like that, your job becomes more stressful. There's a ripple effect. And if they can't handle that load and they're wobbling, just picture a building wobbling, trying to handle a big load. It's about to collapse. You have other people trying to pick that up trying to lift it up and you're putting more, more pressure on them. It's just like when you, when your ankle hurts and you put more pressure on your other leg, trying to carry it around, then the other ankle starts to hurt. That's what we have here. So as my favorite president, Teddy Roosevelt said, complaining about a problem without proposing a solution is called whining. (laughs) So what do I recommend? And again, I say this as a person who has had their own struggles especially over the last three years, I've come a long way. I'm happier, healthier, wealthier than I've ever been. What are solutions? What, what solutions, specific solutions can I offer you to incorporate in your everyday life? Here are my top 10 suggestions. All very easy. You can start doing these tomorrow. You don't have to do them all tomorrow. Maybe you pick up one this week, one next week. You bite away at it. 1%, just a little chunk. Day by day, you get a little bit better. If you pile up these things, adding these things to your daily routine over six months, you won't recognize yourself in a good way. Number one, work out 45 minutes a day. Okay, particularly start your day that way. Get it out of the way, right? Get the, Win that first conversation. Give yourself that sense of accomplishment. It doesn't have to be some ultra Ironman workout, go for a walk. Okay. Get sunlight, go for a walk at lunch, go for a walk at coffee break. Maybe you walk a little bit to work. And if, if you're an employer or you're a manager of any kind, encourage your people to do this, right? Get that sunlight in the first half of your day. The reason being that vitamin D, we always hear about how people in Seattle are the most depressed and they have the highest suicide rate in the country. It's because of the lack of sun, the lack of vitamin D. Well, the best way for you to ingest vitamin D is through your eyeballs, right? So no sunglasses, get outside, eyes open. Don't stare directly into the sun so you burn your retina, but you want to get that that natural light into your eyes, right? Fresh air is also good too. Eat a high-protein diet, especially early on in the day. That'll give you energy. That'll curve your cravings and temptation to have junk food, 
right? And just eat better in general. We know what junk food is. Let's not like over complicate it. It's not rocket science. No chips. If it came from the ground or it comes from an animal, then it's probably good for you. Let's go with more whole 30 things that existed. If it existed 200 years ago, let's stick to eating those things, not to candy bars, right? Drink a gallon of water a day. Now, a lot of people shame this one. They look at like, uh, bros, I guess they would call them or workout guys carrying around a gallon of water. And they would, they would say that that's dumb. Right. But, uh, it is shown to give you energy boost. It's shown to help you focus. It also curves your cravings. And most importantly, it levels your bodily fluids, which basically allows you to feel less fatigue, right? It, it, it takes away that feeling of illness that you might have and it boosts your overall physical performance. So when you go to work out or you're, you're trying to perform in the field and you want to have a full, a full day of energy, or even when you get home, you want to take that energy to your family. This will enable you to do that. Again, cut down drinking as much as possible. Don't trade that happiness. Tomorrow's happiness for today. Stop doing drugs and methodically get off of medication. Again, seek medical help. Don't just go cold turkey, uh, but definitely something that you want to do. Get sleep. 75% of people, according to John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University, 75% of people. Let me say that one more time. According to Johns Hopkins University, 75% of people who are depressed have issues sleeping. It is a crutch. It is a cornerstone of stress and anxiety. So what do I do? It's a long list. But I'm telling you right now, if you do all of these things, you will start sleeping like a baby. You will feel better. Wake up at the same time every day, even on the weekends. Get that consistency. Get that internal clock going. Don't sleep in on the weekends. Trust me. Take magnesium before bed. That'll relax you and help your muscles recover, especially you people in the field who maybe feel a little sore after being in the field. Trust me, it's a game changer. Shut your phone off an hour before bed. The blue light all of the things that are on there meant to trigger you and all the news and the crazy world that we live in today. Don't allow that to get your blood flowing uh, before bed. Sleep in a dark room, right? No blue lights, any kind of devices, anything like that. Shut off the TV. Grab a weighted blanket. Best $35 investment my wife ever made for me was a weighted blanket. Just trust me. Once you go that way, you'll never, you'll never be able to sleep without it. No caffeine afternoon, right? So no afternoon coffee, uh, no coffee, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes on the way home or anything like that. And get some white noise. Try try a machine, try a phone app, or uh, get a fan going, right? Try to create some white noise. Now, the last three are very, very important. And they sound corny. But I am telling you right now, this was the biggest game changer for me. I would guarantee that this will be more effective than going to see a counselor. Number one, or... Number eight on the list, practice gratitude every morning, whether it's in your bedroom, in the mirror, or it's in the truck on the way to work, practice gratitude. Maybe you write it down, write it in your phone, you say it in the mirror, or just say it out loud while you're in your car, right? Thankful for the roof over my head. Thankful for my beautiful wife. Thankful for my healthy children. Thankful for this job that I have that I'm going to. I get to go to work today and make an awesome salary, make an awesome living to put food on the table and to provide an above average lifestyle for my family. I get to bring the value that I've learned from my failures and my overcoming my addiction and pulling myself out of depression. I get to bring that to the workplace and help other people, right? What are you grateful for? Not just the good things, but the bad things, because the bad things can 
have forged you into the person that you are today and have qualified you to bring a new value to those people around you. Number nine, read and write. Most construction people don't like to read and almost never write unless they're writing something down, but read so you can challenge your thoughts. Just 10 minutes a day, read five to 10 pages, do that so your mind can grow and write things down. When I, I for a long time, and I couldn't sleep for a long time because I would have not nightmares, but my mind would travel to think about trauma that I had as a kid or failures that I experienced as an adult. Spend some time, 10 minutes a day, just writing whatever comes to your mind, whatever comes to your mind. It's going to help you clearly articulate your thoughts. It's going to help it get out and it's going to have help it leave your mind, understand the way that you feel about those things. It'll help you understand the way to overcome those things. It'll help you understand how you want to bring value to other people. And it'll help you identify the last thing that I'm about to get to. But ultimately, it'll bring you peace. It will bring you peace. I promise you. Writing helps you learn how to think clearly. You're teaching yourself how to think clearly. Last but not least, most importantly, this is the most important thing to overcoming any kind of depression, any kind of addiction, succeeding in your career, practicing discipline. The most important thing that you can do is identify a purpose for your life. What does that mean? When I was younger and I was trying to find my way and I failed a few times, I thought my purpose was to rise above the ranks, make a ton of money, live and party and travel and do whatever I wanted and ultimately start to do less. Well, where did that lead me? That led me to failure. That led me to drinking too much, to overindulging. That led me to feeling lost. That left, led me to feeling disconnected, unfulfilled to the point where I didn't want to, I didn't want to go on. I didn't want to stick around. It wasn't until I found my purpose which is why I'm here on this podcast, right? I want to bring opportunities of affluency to the masses, to as many people as I possibly can. I want to bring affluency to my family. That blacklist behind me are things that I identify as a purpose that I want to bring to my family, not just in this generation, but for generations to come. I've got plenty of purpose now, and it's all outside of myself. It's not for me. It's for the people around me. It's for people in my community. And though that is a true purpose. It's when it's greater than yourself. Find something that is greater than yourself. It could be your faith, could be your family, could be generational wealth, it could be starting a business. You know, plumbers don't always love the way the pipes smell, but they might like the way that skill set allows them to provide for the family. It might enable them to start a business where they can provide opportunities for other people. It might be the value that they bring to their community different charity work that they're able to they're able to do for their church or for their hospital or for a any kind of philanthropic effort. Maybe your purpose is to take your failure, take your current state, overcome it, learn from it, and be that example for other people who are struggling with the same thing that otherwise wouldn't have that be that example for somebody that's struggling with opioid addiction. Be that example that struggles with alcohol. Be that example for somebody who felt like they failed their family and that they came up short, but they came back. Everyone loves a comeback story. And you are the author of your story. So you can either choose to have it end right now 
at the bottom, or you can decide what's going to go on that next page today. And the day after that, and the day after that, and that snowball good effect that we talked about before, you stack up those pages, and all of a sudden, 100 pages, 200 pages down the road, you have a novel, you have a playbook for other people to live by, for other people to emulate. And ultimately, that's what it is to be a man. Now, everything that I've talked about obviously pertains to women as well, right? But at the beginning, I said that, you know, the, a lot of people feel as though November's Men's Mental Health Awareness Month and the industry is predominantly men. <clears throat> so I don't want to make it about gender, but that's what it is to be a man. Being a man isn't about perfection. It's not about having a clean record. It's not about your achievements. It's about getting kicked in the teeth. It's about falling off the horse. And when you get kicked in the teeth and when you fall down, as long as you make sure you land on your back, and I'm stealing that from Eric Thomas or somebody, right? As long as you fall on your back and you can look up, you can see the sky, you can get up. And when you stand up, it's about how hard you can get hit. And how you keep going. The old Rocky quote, right? Life ain't hard out life ain't always life ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going. That's how you inspire other people, and that's what makes you a man. Being able to take responsibility, being able to take accountability, being able to accept what has happened and finding a way forward, finding a way to lead yourself, your community your family forward. Again, you find a way to do that. That's a man. That's a man that people want to emulate regardless of where you are today. And anybody can do it. No matter how far you think you've fallen, there is an army of people behind you rooting for you that know you can do it. You just have to find that purpose, believe in yourself, and take specific and intentional action every day to address that purpose. And if you need help, I am here. You can email me, mentor at constructionmentor.org. You can DM me on Instagram or TikTok. I'm here for you. There are other resources here for you. You are not alone. Get help. I hope you found this message impactful. I hope you found it important. Please sh like, subscribe, share. Uh, not for not for me or my benefit, or you know, even growing my platform. It's about helping other people get the boost up, helping other people get uh, the direction that they need. <clears throat> this is about shining that light. Um. You know, when I talk about finding a purpose, I'm addressing my purpose on this platform, right? I'm not trying to get Instagram famous. I'm not even trying to make money. What I have found is that when I found my purpose, that, that was a light inside of me that, that I can take to other people. And if there's one thing that I've learned about that light and projecting that light out, it's that darkness cannot be present with light. So by shining that light, by using this podcast and this platform and Instagram and TikTok, I've been able to get that darkness out of my life. I have been able to attract people that need that light from me. 
right? That, that they need less darkness in their life. So they come to the light looking for help. And the other thing that shining that light has done for me is it has presented me with opportunity since doing this, since serving my purpose, finding that light and projecting that light, people can see me, people can see value that I'm bringing. And like I said, I hope to share the opportunities that are coming my way with you very, very soon. Um, it has been a profound inf- impact on my life, but it all starts with identifying that purpose. So again, please like, please subscribe, please share with somebody that you know that might be struggling and with people, young people that, um, that need some guidance as well. And I'm always here for anybody that needs it. So with that, that wraps it up. I appreciate you. I love everybody. Um, And I'll see you next time.